No one's too broken for That's right. Now, you, grace. You, you hear this word all the time like, kids, let's say grace. Hey, let's invite grace over to our house. Hey, let's do whatever. But, man, we're going to talk about grace. We're going to unpack it over the next five weeks. Man, it's a great series to invite people to come join us. And, and I'm just praying, man, that God's going to illuminate our hearts and we're going to get a deeper understanding. Because when you live in the Bible Belt in Montgomery, Alabama, so much religious uh, systems and spirit and people, man, they always seem like they got the, the God answer or the right answer. But they, sometimes everybody's trying to prove so much. Uh, it's called performance-based religion, and they're trying to prove their self to God. Man, my prayer is I hope we demyth, we shuck back to the cob. You go, man, there's nothing I can do. I cannot be sorrowful not enough. I cannot be grateful enough. I, I can't be anything. I, I've just got to trust in the grace of God. And God's people said, amen. Well, listen to this. I'm going to complete these common American phrases. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Yeah, okay, that's definitely Americana. We make money the old-fashioned way. Yeah, we earn it. And that's not a bad ethic for work, but it's a horrible view of grace. There's no such thing as a free, and there's not, okay. There's no pain without, man, you're reading my notes, man, you're good. There you go. God helps those who, let me tell you something. Okay, we, we can have these little mantras and we can have them on mugs and be all cute. That is horrible Christianity. Matter of fact, it's not even Christianity, is it, church? I mean, thinking I'm going to earn, God's going to value me because I'm good, I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, I'm doing the good stuff. I mean, man, that's just like horrible. And yet, if you look at world religions and you look at cults and you look at all these things, people are trying to value and measure and earn their way to God. And you just can't earn it. I mean, it's already been done. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the cross, man, that God completes a perfect sufficient supreme sacrifice i love when the bible says and christ died once and for all our sins and i go amen i'm so glad i don't have to run out going hey miss vicky you think i measured up steve do you, do you think you measured up this week hey did you man they'd be like man we're just we'd be messed up open your bibles over to ephesians chapter two and i know some of you get your phones and your devices and you'll run there uh so do that ephesians chapter two and it's verses eight and nine it's right there across the top of your worship notes if you don't have a scripture with you a copy of them for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast i love the way god set this up and the way that god is the initiator and god in his provenient and his overwhelming grace he he goes ahead of us and he pursues us and and once we come to faith in christ we can't boast about, God, aren't you glad you got me on your team? Hey, God, you're so lucky to have me. That would be supreme arrogance, pride, stupidity. I mean, that's just horrible. And it's like, man, God, and even if we're saying we're so righteous, if, let's say, and we won't do this, if we wanted to rank the 10 most top-ranked righteous people that we thought in our church that live more like Christ, they'd still fall palely short to the goodness and the glory of God. So this whole thing about grace is just amazing. So you, you have to kind of really define it. And I know this about grace. You and I don't deserve it. I mean, we're, it's just the unmerited favor of God is one simplistic definition. I'll give you more definitions of grace as we launch into the series. But it's unmerited because 
I surely, and you don't, you don't deserve it. But man, God gives grace and he pours out abundant grace and it's undeserved, it's unmerited, it can't be earned. It's just, it's planted in the heart of followers of Jesus. God draws us, calls us forth by his grace. Do you remember when grace was awakened in your heart? When you first met Jesus? Man, I remember that. It was a winter night on my college campus, and my heart was dead in my sin and trespasses, and my heart came fully alive in Jesus, and I was awakened for the journey that I've been on all these decades now. You came to your faith in Christ maybe as a young child, maybe as a young adult, maybe as an older adult, or maybe possibly today you're going, I've not been awakened. I'm not in Christ. And I'd say, man, God appreciates your honesty, and, and that's, that's okay. But would you consider, would you be open to what Christ might want to do today to be in his follower? You know, here's, listen to this definition. You might write this down about grace. God's love in action. God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Let me say it again. Grace. God's love in action. God giving me just what I need, not what I deserve. Because a lot of times... If, you, if you're around the church any amount of time, people go, grace, unmerited favor of God, and we just run through that Sunday school answer, and we never stop to pause about how great and how rich a love that God has lavished out on us that he's poured out. But then that whole mercy thing, when, when God doesn't give us what we deserve. Hey, when you were in school, did any of you besides me go to your teacher and go, hey, I need to talk to you. Could you have mercy on me? Anybody ever do that besides me? Yeah, y'all were great students, whatever. You're lying. Okay. Some of you were. Some of you weren't. And we like mercy. Your kids, mama, mama, daddy, no, ha have mercy. Or they go, don't beat me. Or don't whip me. Or I don't think you beat your kids. All right, don't do this. Don't do that. Just, just be kind to the boy. Be kind to the girl. There was something in me. It was sin, and it, and, and it acted out. I won't do it again, at least when you're looking. Okay, grace. Grace, listen to this. I, I love this definition. I read it. Grace is the face that God wears when he looks at my failures. I like that. See, some of you this morning possibly have a, an image of God that he is a, a cop in heaven, and he's looking. And he's waiting for you to speed. He's waiting for you to break the limit, and he's going to zap you. Oh, man, if that's true, we wouldn't even have church because none of us would be here, right? And God loves to be rich in mercy and grace and pour it out. I remember a few years ago, just a couple years ago, I talked to Jimmy, one of our drummers. We had a policeman, and he was sitting right behind our wall right here when you pull in the main entrance, and he would catch speeders. And I finally had to send word to Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, look, it's hard enough trying to be a church of Jesus Christ and trying to reach people. We don't want to be known as a church that's got the speed trap, that people get tickets going to Home Depot. They're going to Walmart. They're going to their church. And they finally moved. And you see, the guy thought he was cute out there because you could hide behind that wall in a cop car and then you can greet him with a, a salutation of good morning. Has, has anybody besides me ever been greeted by the MPD early morning? A few years ago, I was on the way to work and I, I was coming by uh, Vaughn Forest Church and I was doing um, a little bit faster than the speed limit. And, 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 and you, you kind of get speed up and you come over this hill and I came over that hill like, woo! No, I wasn't driving that fast, but I was fast. And I came over that hill, and I came down, and he was sitting down there at the bottom, and the blue light came on, and he greeted me that morning with bagels and pastries. He did not. He gave me a ticket. And you know what? What do you mean, amen? There wasn't nothing good about that. 
And I wanted to tell him, hey, 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 you know, but I said, you know what I told him? I really did. I said, I'm guilty. I messed up. He says, you are. Just kept writing. Because, see, one time I got out of ticket because I told a guy I was going to do something, which was legit. We were going to help do a rescue thing when the hurricane came up through Lake Martin and destroyed all those people. And I got stopped, and I told the guy. He goes, son. I like it when somebody calls me son because that doesn't happen very much anymore. He goes, son, you just need to slow down, and you'd be on your way. And I went, glory, glory, glory. And then the other guy wrote me up, and I've been praying for him every day. No, here we go. You know what? Salvation is a free, gracious gift of God. You know, you, you don't earn a gift, but you earn a paycheck. Like this next week, starting tomorrow, maybe this afternoon, some of you will go to work, and you're going to earn a paycheck by the work. But, you know, but we get into this mindset that we have to earn. We have to earn God's favor. We have to earn uh, things in our relationships. And, and maybe it's true in earthly relationships. But when it comes to a relationship with Abba, with our Father in heaven, you and I can't bring anything to the table. We, we can't earn it. Moody, I like what Moody said one time. Grace isn't a little prayer you chant before receiving a meal. It's a way to live. The law tells me how crooked I am. Grace comes along and grace straightens out my direction. Grace comes along and straightens out my path and tells me you were on a wrong path. See, I love the Word of God. And I read the Word. And what the Word does is the Word reveals to me my error. The Word reveals to me my sin. It also reveals to me the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. And in that, I can rest. So law is good, but grace is better. How many of you like to be law-oriented or grace-oriented? Yeah, you're going, grace? Sure, but you need law. Because without law, you have rebellion, anarchy, chaos, craziness. It's just, it's just not healthy. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a Boy, there you go. Y'all getting into it now. A wretch like me. Are y'all wretched? What? No, Pastor, I'm, I'm nice. I, I put on a clean shirt. I put on a nice dress before I came. Okay, you're a wretched, well-dressed person. You know, sometimes when you call people sinners, like, I don't particularly like that word. <laughs> I don't like it either, but it's who you are and it's who I am. But I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. I can't boast in what I'm doing. Even, even when I feel like I'm climbing some spiritual steps, some spiritual pilgrimage, I'm, I'm maturing in Christ. You, you and I are purposing to become like Jesus because we're sitting under the authority of his word. We've submitted to the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we acknowledge him. He directs our paths. He makes them straight. And we're, doing, we're practicing the spiritual disciplines of the faith. And those, all those are so important. I preach on them all the time. And I think, yes, God, I, we need more of that. But at the end of the day, it's still like that stuff we're doing in the power, hopefully, of Christ. But it's Christ. He's enough. So we don't want to be self-delusion. We don't want to be like, uh, I, I just, uh, here's what I know about Christ. Jesus will strip away the layers of my life when we open up to him. And a lot of times that's our self-delusion when we've got caught up in it. And, and then we finally just go, I'm lost. Uh, for me, for you. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you, you had to first acknowledge one thing. You were lost. You, you didn't have a way to God. You, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't uh, come across a spiritual chasm, that great bridge. And Christ was the only bridge there, and you were trying to do it on your own. You were trying to do it on your granddaddy's faith, on your, on your grandma, on your mom, on your dad, on your, on your brother, your sister, because they, they were spiritual. You were trying to hook on somebody else's faith, and Jesus says, you're lost. And then, and then you get found. I, I love that when, 
when we get found in Christ. And, and Christ honors us, and he, he sees that, hey, because I think we have to remind ourselves, we're like condemned criminals. We, we read that story about Jesus on the cross, and he goes, and today you will be in paradise with me. And we're like, man, that, that is incredible. And it is, it's grace. But we're all like that person. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. I mean, this morning it's pretty straightforward gospel, just hitting us. But America just continues to teach you, in life, you get what you earn. And that's so true in school. You go through school, you get what you work for, what you earn. You, you go to your job, you, you get what you earn. And, and those are not bad principles. As a matter of fact, they're probably good. But when it comes to trying to reach a holy God that is perfect, that is pure, that is blameless, and man, we're just out there without a paddle, if you will. <laughs> we're, we're condemned. We're, we're falling short. Man, Christ is like, man, I'm trying to draw your heart. I want to demonstrate my love, and he does, and Christ. And, and you read the Old Testament, and you begin to see passages of grace, and then you read the New Testament, and it's consumed with grace. But i got a question. Do you know where grace is first found in Scripture? The very first time we see grace. Anybody know? Just, just a question. It, it appears in Scripture the first time. I'll tell you this. It appears in the Old Testament in the early chapters of Genesis. Matter of fact, it, it, we find it in Genesis 6. And that's where we first find it's Genesis 6. Uh, I think they're about verse 5 and 6. But no, 7 and 8. Listen to this. And the Lord said, I will destroy man and whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth of me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I love that. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis, early Man, God's already starting to reveal grace. And by the time you get to the writings of the Apostle Paul, all through the epistles and the books of the New Testament, man, grace abounds, and it's so much greater. And I'm going, God, that's what I need. That's what my friends need. I need grace delivered. Man, this mankind, man, God, we need grace. But let me give you a passage that's not in your notes. I didn't put a lot of notes there. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Titus 2, 11 and 13. Listen to this. For the grace of God that bring salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denied ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ look look at it on the screen there for the grace of god has appeared that affords that offers salvation to all how many of you are grateful that grace appeared man grace appeared in a manger Man, grace appeared. We're, we're just one. I, let me just freak y'all out for a minute. Because as a preacher, I'm always planning. This is my last series before Christmas. And some of you just like, man, I just got paranoid. I'm stressed out now, man. Like, yeah, Chris, just look at your calendar. Christmas is coming really fast, okay? And here's the last series. And yet we'll, we'll come to that great incarnation of Christ. But my prayers, we're going we're gonna to grab hold of grace. Listen to some quotes that Perry Noble said. I love this. Jesus is greater than your past. Jesus is greater than your current circumstances. Jesus has a greater future plan for you. God loves his children, not based on their performance, but rather on their position as his child. I love that. So, you, you, wait a minute, Pastor. You just said, it's not my performance that matters, but it's my position Ultimately, yes, it's who you are. Or can you be found in Christ? Are you abiding in Christ? Is Christ your life? Is Christ your Lord and Savior? That's, that's position you need. Now, I don't want to negate that I don't think behavior 
lifestyle matters because it does in character, the character of Christ, and we live out the gospel. But it's really about the position that Christ says. Listen to this. Religion, religion says, clean up your mess. And Jesus says this, I've already cleaned up your mess. I like that. Am I sitting around messy people today? I'm not talking about the way you, your car looks like. If I went to the parking lot today and go, messy French fries. They look like they're from 1976. Uh, do, do, you know, just, or, hey, you ever notice about kids, when you got little kids, Man, I remember one time we had a staff member, and we were going to lunch. He goes, here, we're riding my car. I go, okay. And I went to jump in it, and, and, and I'm not lying. There were some French fries that had uh, petrified, and some of them were green. And, and, and I, never, I, I stepped in, and I saw him, and he had a couple kids, and apparently they ate in the car all the time. And I remember looking at him, I said, let's go in my car. And I don't think he ever knew why because I didn't want french fries all over me. You know, you're, you're saying, well, pastor, yeah, I'm a slob. Okay, be a slob for Jesus. But the bottom line is, God cleans up our mess. Are y'all grateful this morning that Christ cleans up your mess? That is amazing grace. Man, my past, we can sit here and talk about it and go, your mouth would be, huh? It doesn't even come out when you hear that on podcast because I opened my mouth, but, but you saw it. Okay, you, you just know you're a mess. I, I just want us to, to realize we're a mess. We're a mess without him. But man, when we get Christ, the work of grace begins. It starts a beautiful work in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships. Yes, even in the church. And it becomes a, a witness. Hey, there's five truths. Let's look at some of these together. Number one, grace came embodied in a person, in the person of Christ. I like that. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it appeared to all men through the person, through the Godhead, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Christ has come near. And, and I, I love that. And I go, here's this Nazarene carpenter that comes to seek out people. They're messed up. They're out. He's come to Jews, Samaritans, rich, poor, sick, healthy. The whole focus of Jesus was to capture our hearts. You know, that, that's what I pray for you and me. That Jesus would just capture your heart today, afresh, again, for the first time. I, I, you know, I, I just have not found vocabulary to articulate that can express how grateful I am for the grace of Jesus Christ. I talk about it, I read about it, I study about it. There's been thousands of books written on it, commentaries. You just, you, you just gotta, you always gotta come back to grace. That's where our faith journey begins. That's where our faith journey ends. That's where our faith journey, it sustains us, it carries us. And, and I think about God, you are so good. You provide this. You're rich in mercy. And look at this next one. Grace is real, it's measurable, and it's evident. See, the grace of God is measurable. A lot of times we think, well, I think it's evident. I, I've seen it in, uh, in another person. So that's the second blank. Grace is real. It's, it's measurable. And as you look at that, I want you to listen to Acts chapter 11, and it's verses 18 through 23. And when they heard these things, they held their peace, and the Bible says, and they glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came, he had seen, he had seen what? 
the grace of God. And he was glad and he exhorted them all in the purpose of the heart that they would, they would cleave unto the Lord. But you see, the, the scripture even says right there in Acts, that great book, he goes, they saw the grace of Jesus. And I'm just wondering about you and I, are we looking for the grace of God? We, we see it everywhere if we have spiritual eyes. If our blinders have been taken off our eyes, we see grace. And the church said, have you seen grace? Oh, man, I, this morning, I'll I, I give you the best picture I got of grace this morning. I ran into Miss Susan. I love Miss Susan. Our teenagers love Susan. Our nursery loves Miss Susan. Everybody in the church loves Susan. I ran into her. I was walking across the parking lot, and Miss Susan said, would you pray for me? This is a hard week. She's a widow in our church that's been here almost since the founding. She goes, it's three years since I lost Terry. And we had his service three years ago this week. She goes, this is a hard week, but that lady has been giving her life away to Christ. And this, Amen. And then when we finished this morning, we were in prayer time with the men. And all of a sudden, this sweet little lady showed up, and her name was Susan. And she came in, and it was the sweetest thing. We we were get, she didn't know we, not, we were praying for. We were praying through the needs of the church and the world, and we prayed. And about that time, I opened my eyes and I looked. And her and my son-in-law were embraced in a grace hug. It was beautiful. It was just the grace of a brother and sister in Christ encouraging, lifting up one another. Isn't that the picture of the church? That's what Jesus does. He lifts us up. Man, we need to be there for one another. When you come in in the morning, some people have said, it's the only hug I get all week. Some of you say, it's the only good hug I get all week. And then some of you say, I don't want one of them hugs. Here, shake my hand. And I understand. Hey, if you're one of those, I mean, I, I know when people don't want to hug, they kind of do this. They kind of go, you know, I'm a hugger, man. I hug everybody. I hug men. I hug women. I, I just hug people. I mean, and, and when I hug men, sometimes they just kind of, I don't kiss them, I hug them, okay? And uh, I, I remember one morning I came in here, and uh, we've got a guy that's a federal guy, and a really stocky guy, and I hugged him. And then the thought appeared to me, don't sneak up on people that are armed and dangerous. And, uh, and he laughed, and I laughed, and I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, like, I, I see policemen out sometimes, and it's hard to hug a policeman, because I got all these... Uh, all these, you know, them belts. What do those belts weigh? Oh, Jimmy's not here. I'm just curious. That belt looks like it weighs 422 pounds. I, I, we ought to do a study. I bet, I bet policemen go to chiropractors all the time. I, yeah, man, that belt's just heavy. I was in a store one day. I said, think you'll let me play with it? Donna says, are you crazy? I say, no, no, he's not going to do that. So here it is. Rescuing. That's the story of grace. God rescues people. He, he rescued uh, Israel from slavery. He, he rescues us from the power and the dominion of sin. One passage says, God transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to light in Jesus Christ. And God loves to rescue people. It's, it's the heart of God. In Ephesians, he saves us by grace when we believe, when we trust. And look, look at the third one. Grace is unaffected by the degree of our sin. I, I like that about my Father in heaven. Our sin is great. Our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Our sin is horrendous. Our sin is punishing. Our sin is painful. It, it cost Jesus his life. But Jesus doesn't give up on grace because, like, you've committed this sin, and I've committed that sin, and you've committed that sin, and you've committed that sin more than once or many times. The grace of God is great. Are you excited about the grace, the amazing grace of Jesus this morning? 
He's, he's not affected by them. He, he draws near to us. Look, look at this passage in uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. What come up? The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increases, listen to this, where sin increases, grace and more grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also uh, grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now just let that verse stay up on the screen, and I just want you to look at it. Grace increased all the more. Man, I'm I need things to increase. I bet this morning if I ask you, do, would you like for your finances to increase? I'm almost sure every person in this room would go, I want to be in on that boat. Now, if I said, everybody's uh, finances, do y'all want them to decrease? You're like, they're decreasing already. I don't need them to decrease anymore. But if I said, if I want them to increase, you'd go, yeah. Oh, how about the grace of Jesus? That song that Chris taught us several months ago, grace on top of grace. Do y'all love that? Man, I, I need more grace. Man, I'm praying for grace for you. You having grace to me. Lord, just increase it. Grace sets aside your human effort and mind, and it calls on the goodness of God. Look at this fourth one here. Grace is amazing because when we come to Christ, we bring nothing to the table but our own sin. You don't go, but God, I bring me, and I'm a nice person. God, I bring this child. God, I bring this education. I bring this relationship. God, I'm a Bible teacher. God, I bring this. He's like, yeah, I know. But you don't really bring anything. When you and I come to the table of grace, to the table of Jesus, man, we're, we're missing it. We're missing the mark. Even the best people in this room, without the grace of Christ, you just you don't measure up. Like if we had a scale and you go, oh, yeah, man, I bet Billy Graham, I bet he's like, I bet he's at the top. Everybody's always saying, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, well, he, well, he's a holy man. I mean, God used that man. But the thing is, he misses the mark just like you and me. And you're saying, well, my mom, she, she was pretty amazing. Well, oh, that's good, but your mom is a sinner just like us, and, and she needs grace, and she needs it to be applied. So you, when you come to Christ, you come helpless. You come blind. You come needy. The hymn writer said, you come wretched, but you come. And man, I'm just so glad that that grace, I, I, can't get my, I can't get my grasp around it all these years later. That Jesus loves Keith. He just loves Keith. Not Pastor Keith, he, he just loves Keith. Just a little boy that grew up down the road in Dalreda. A little boy that was pretty full of himself. A little boy that had... A lot of sin issues. He loved him. And you're saying, well, I was a little girl. Well, I am a little girl. I'm a little boy. I'm not, hey, I'm an old boy. Hey, I'm an old geezer. Is it, Jesus loved me? I know he loves geezers because he loves me. You, and I, I say geezer in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sweet sense. I hope I didn't offend you. Call myself one, so I don't think it's bad. Here's, here's the deal. Christ just loved you in spite of your sin. And yet I think in the church, we don't love people sometimes when they sin. Now, we need to be accountable, but here's all I'm saying. I think if we believe what I'm talking about right now, listen to me carefully. If we really believe this, we'd be in multiple services again. This place would be packed to overflowing because people would go, I'm accepted in that place because it's modeling the heart of Jesus. See, I find that people want to be accepted, and we're accepted in the beloved. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that's amazing uh, that he is perfect, that he calls us. And then look at this one. This is critical. Grace is the power to overcome bad habits, to make peace in a relationship, or to bring you victoriously through a time of testing without you trying. Circle the word trying in your worship guide. There's no trying here. There's no effort on your part of mind that gets you closer to Jesus. It's resting. It's trusting. It's not effort. It's just more of Christ. Because I find this, when I try to be more righteous, when I try to do something for God, I get frustrated. Because I realize I'm just how inept and how inadequate me or you are, and that Christ is sufficient. So all this trying is like, God, I just need, I need to receive grace. I, 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 need, I need your power, God. I need your power to help me overcome sin habits in my life. Now, let's get real practical. This morning, there are sin patterns in this room. We all have some sin patterns that we're not proud of. My prayer is that the grace of Jesus is over, helping us overcome them, and they're even beginning to erase because we're trusting more in Christ and his riches and his love. And he's just making us new, and he's just making us uh, vibrant, and we get proud of him. It's like, I, I still remember the day that the tsunami hit in Asia several years ago, and we had somebody in our church, and they had a daughter there, and they were sitting right over here, and they were almost unbearable. I mean, it was just, they were just taken by the tsunami. I mean, you know, we think about windstorms and hurricanes and tornadoes, but a tsunami, and we saw the damage. Oh, my goodness. And their daughter was okay, but that morning they didn't know. And, and I'm thinking about us this morning. I'm praying that a tsunami wave of grace is going to come through here. And it's just going to wash over us and destroy us and captivate us and decimate us and dominate us. How many of you want a tsunami of grace to dominate us? That, that wasn't very convincing, church. That was pitiful. I bet yesterday, I bet you yelled at your TV screen. So let's do that again. How, how many of you want a tsunami of grace to be overwhelming and just flood this place in your heart? How many want a tsunami of grace? Amen. You're like, yeah, let it come, let it fall, let it rain, let it fall. And then somebody's like, well, I'm not very much of a sinner. You got a bigger problem than you know. Guys, I'm preaching my heart out. I'm trying to talk about this goodness and this richness and this depth of the Father's love and, and this power that helps us overcome. And I just go, Lord, Psalm 85, 10, listen. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I love that when I found that verse. Mercy and truth have come together, but righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And that's what I want. I want that to happen in your life and mine, in the life of this church. And I realize this theology of grace is not just some theological rhetoric. Guys, when I was in seminary, we, we studied salvation for weeks, and we did charts and diagrams, and it's called sociotereology. And I can use all these 25 cent, 50 cent, some of them are dollar words, okay? At the end of the day, I want grace. I want you to have grace. I want you to embrace grace. You see, the problem is when we've been saved for a long time, we undermine grace. We play grace down. And in this study this week, God is, is, is awakening my heart to grace at new levels again because I get kind of complacent or, you know, just whatever, expectant. And I'm like, God, I want to be overwhelmed like I was 
1978 when I believed on your son, Father, and I trusted Christ. So let that tsunami, let it come, let it, let it, let it pay in full. The, the word in Hebrew for grace is the same word for stoop. And what I love is Jesus comes and he stoops down on this earth and gives his life and washes feet and he becomes like us that he might be perfect and be a sacrifice as he identifies with us. But grace stoops. And I'm just wondering, if you and I begin to stoop before one another in humility and with grace and with mercy and with joy, we'd be a different place. I mean, there's just something powerful about when we're broken. Jesus just uses brokenness. The whole study in itself, we, the goodness, it depends on the grace. Max Lucado, the great writer, no matter how dark the world gets, God finds a flicker of faith, and he responds with a flicker of grace. I love that guy. I wish I could coin words and phrases like him. I read a thing about Max Lucado one time, and it says, where I get up and I go pray, it says Max Lucado He'll get up from his bedroom and he'll go into his study and he just has these epiphanies and he just writes books. I mean, words just like, really, dude? Like, you're that gifted? Like, that's not even, see, it's not even fair. See, that's what you do as preachers. You write papers every weekend and y'all get to hear them. Okay, let's pick on my friend over here. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of my friend's name. I just killed that uh, illustration. Anyway, let's don't use that illustration, okay? Because if I do get his name, you're like, he didn't know my name. Anyway, hey, let's just keep going. I'm sorry. Hey, some of you are a visitor today say, hey, he, he like killed that one. Yeah, I did. That, that illustration came to me in the moment, and I probably should have thought it through a little bit more. But uh, you're like my new best friend. You, you respond to everything I say. I love that. She laughs. She, she has inflection. Zelda and I are going to have church. She's also our oldest member, but she's probably our most vibrant. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. So this whole grace thing, nothing you can do to earn it. Ephesians 2, life without grace is a cemetery. I don't know about you. I don't just go out and hang out at cemeteries, do you? I mean, they, they're just not real fun places. I mean, I remember when we were little, we were always invited to go to the cemetery and put flowers on my grandparents' grave or my folks' grave. And I, I got kind of wigged out then. I, I didn't like it, especially I didn't even know Christ. And then I knew Christ. Like, they're not here. They're not here, okay? But, but I understand that whole thing, honoring that. But cemeteries aren't where I find grace. I find grace in the life of Christ in the church, amen? I find grace in your life as you live for Jesus, as you point me to Jesus, as you show me Jesus, as you reflect him. I like where God just says, I intervene with grace through the power of the resurrection. And that's what I pray this morning, man. God's just going to intervene. He's going to interrupt. Uh, you know, I like the grace of Christ. It doesn't take me part way. It takes me, it's going to take me all the way home. Grace will take you all the way home to the Father and nothing less. So it's a gift of God. Um, we're unworthy of grace. We're going we're to cover grace in so many different aspects. But I think, Jesus, I come to be rescued. I'm in desperate need of a mighty rescuer. And the rescuer's name is Jesus. Guys, i got to tell you, I'm in my 21st year at Christ Community. I love to preach but I love the name of Jesus. I love the person, the God of Jesus, even more than I love his name. And when I speak that name, I speak with the authority of heaven. I pray that all the time. Lord Jesus, 
help me speak with the authority of the kingdom today. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I miss it. But then there's grace, and there's grace. I heard this thought the other day, and I loved it. And I want you to write it down, because I'm going to wrap this thing up. God's not mad at you, but he's mad about you. God is not mad at anybody in here. God is not mad at you. He is mad about you. He is so overwhelmed with you. Somebody said this one time, and I loved it. They said, God loves you so much, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And you know what I'm talking about if you're a parent or a grandparent. And if you're single, you're like, I don't get it, because like, I just go to the refrigerator and eat. But if you're a parent, you've got all their artwork. You can't even open the refrigerator for all the artwork and their pictures falling off, okay? And then you really know if kids are really smart because the report cards get on the refrigerator. Praise God. Well, I don't know. That would have been cool. Mine never got posted to the refrigerator, okay? They just didn't. But God's crazy about us. He's over us. But I, I, wanna, I want you to hear this. Chris is going to come. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. And then here's the refrain of the song. And I thought about this week because I used to sing this. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater. I can tell y'all did not grow up in a traditional church. Y'all been with me a long time. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Man, that's the hope of grace. That's the amazing grace of Jesus. In John 1, 17, it just says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's what I have come to proclaim this morning in my time with you, is that grace comes near, grace comes to us with truth in Christ. Have you received the grace of God? Or do you need to come back home today? Man, you've just drifted away and you just... Uh, because grace isn't cheap. You've just kind of done your own thing. Romans 5.15 says, Many people have received God's gift of life by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus. And I'm grateful for Jesus this morning. So I don't want to treat grace with contempt, with contempt. I want you to look at this last screen. There's the definition of grace that so many of us know. God's riches at Christ's expense. Chris is going to do an amazing song in just a moment. I asked him, I said, Chris, we've got to sing this song today. But I want to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing it together, and we'll be through. But it could be that this morning somebody wants to respond to the grace of Jesus. You want to give your heart to Christ. I'm going to be standing back here by this column. If, if you want to come over and talk about matters of faith, or you want to receive this glorious gospel, you want, to receive, you want to receive Christ today, you want to believe in Him, man, I invite you to come over there. And the, for the rest of you, I want you to celebrate that you're in Christ, and I want you to celebrate the grace of Christ. And maybe somebody today goes, I'm coming back to Christ. I'm coming home. It's just the hope. Man, when we sing this next song, man, it's going to be powerful. Let me pray. Lord, I am grateful for today. I am amazed. I am stunned. I am overwhelmed by your amazing grace. May I never get tired of embracing it, of talking about it, and certainly purposing to live in it. Fall on this place, God. Fall on this campus. Have grace on every kid, on every baby, on every adult. 
Move in this place, God. Shake this place until you come again. And let us sing for your glory. And Lord, may there be somebody today that goes, I need Jesus. Then just come right over here to me. I just want you to come. And I'll, I want to share a little bit more with you if, if you're willing to receive and follow Christ and make him yours.